you're listening to the RU Review, sponsored by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. And a big shakeup for RU football going into game number five at home versus Maryland. Head coach Chris Ash and offensive coordinator John McNulty let go. One man will take both jobs on at an interim basis. That is New Jersey native Nunzio Campanile. We have Steve Politti on the line from NJ Advanced Media. We'll also have RU radio color analyst Eric Legrand later in the show. But first, a word from Zebra Pen. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to Zebra Pen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. Zebra Pen. Find us at your local retailer or online at zebrapen.com. And follow us on social media. And we're back with Steve Politti from NJ Advanced Media. And this is a big show. It's such a big show that Johnny's standing in the studio. <laughs> right, Johnny? <laughs> yes, I am. Get close to this mic. <laughs> and uh, Steve, we'll get into the new coach and uh, the possible uh, coaches down the road and the candidates and such. But first, let's talk about Chris Ash. And it was a rough four years. We know um, the, the disparity in talent. We know the cupboard was bare when he when he first came to Rutgers. For you, what, where were the shortcomings? If he was remiss, where was it? What was the problem with Chris Ash, and why couldn't he make it work? Yeah, I think there, there's more than one thing. I, for, for starters, I think he was a bad fit. That those are the kind of the words, the words that I would use to describe it. You know, a guy from Iowa with the roots in Ohio who really didn't embrace the New Jersey thing early on, didn't uh, have a staff that could recruit in New Jersey. wasn't You know, didn't really think that was as big a deal as people here do. So I think that was his first strike and. You know, then he really never had an offensive philosophy, and I think that was something that, uh, you know, he switched that several times. He wanted to be a spread. Then the next year, you know, it was hard to know what they were doing, the pro style, now back to a spread. Uh, and I, I think that caused a lot of the problems you're seeing now with the fact this team can't score. And then the biggest thing, you know, talent. If he, if he could recruit at a higher level, if he could have developed talent, uh, you know, I, I think he, he, he came in here thinking – that he was at Ohio State in a lot of ways, that he would bring the weight program from there and the nutrition program from there, and he'd, he'd get players and he'd coach them up, but uh, he just never had the horses, especially the big people uh, up front in both lines. So, you know, a combination of a combination of all those things and a little uh, poor game day coaching, and that's that's how you get to be 8-32 eight, eight and 32 and fired four games into a season. For me, the big red flag, and, and I was down in Washington, D.C. this weekend, and I did not get a chance to watch the game, but I did listen to the game. And my goodness, again, penalties, penalties. I mean, coach yeah. him up. And I yeah. and I think that that really started, uh, I mean, that was just way too much. It, he just wasn't coaching them. I'll be honest here. Anyone who's listened to the show and Steve and John will attest. Uh, I thought that Ash could have been given a little more rope. Steve had him fired, I think, after the first Big Ten loss two years ago. No, I'm not. that's not exactly true. But at any rate, I, 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 I said, look, you don't know what he's got because the cupboard was a little bare. Yes, the facilities under his um, uh, command or demand uh, certainly were improved. No question about it. But it's yeah. such a tough league and they started so far behind that it would be difficult to judge him. But when you saw week in and week out penalties, breakdowns at, at the, the wrong times, you started to realize that he just and his staff were, and that was a turnover yeah. festival yeah. too. I mean, just bringing in different guys. So all in all, I, I think he probably was given uh, enough rope to hang himself with. 
Yeah, I mean, he could have he could have coached for another five years, and I don't think it would have gotten better. You know, that's that's honestly how I feel. I, I don't, I just don't think he was going to get it done. And once you reach that decision, and, and you know, why wait? You know, sort of the old, you know, uh, Jeremy Foley quote from from Florida. You know, what must be done eventually must be done now. Kind of deal mm-hmm. with coaches, and I think there was just no sense doing it. I mean, the big the big question is now. Okay, so you know, nothing really changed in my mind between the end of last season, the December and the beginning of this season. Now it's clear to a lot of people, you know, most of the fan base, a lot of the high, high, high influential donors had, were, were done with them then, you know, the, the buyout didn't get any cheaper, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's just a, a, a big miscalculation on, on athletic director, Pat Hobbs's part, you know, to bring them back for, for just four games and have to, you know, make this kind of drastic move. And now, you know, now you've got, uh, you know, the eight games of a season with an interim head coach and, you know, this is supposed to be the celebration of the 150th anniversary. So just a lot of, it just kind of been botched all around. That begs the question for me, Steve, um, what is success for Rutgers football in the big 10? Can it be done? I mean, are we looking at a successful run at being a 500 team? Is that something that, that Rutgers alum will be happy with? I mean, the big 10 is the big 10. They knew they were getting into the deep end of the pool. And, you know, unless you're going to bring in someone who's really going to, uh, you know, I don't know, big names out there. There, there, I've seen a couple of names thrown around. But to be successful here at Rutgers, what would you think realistically is success in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people uh, just kind of got it in their heads that you, that you just can't win here. Uh, and and the defend, it, exactly, it depends on how you define that. And I don't, I don't see why Rutgers can't be the kind of program that is seven and five, eight and four every year. And then on the odd year when they have one of their best teams, can at least be competitive and challenge a Michigan state or, or, you know, be one of those teams and get into a beggar ball. I don't think they're getting into the playoffs. I don't, you know, Pat Hobbs used the word Rose bowl. I think that is, is, we were light years away. He's going to buy now. a ticket if to see once to see the Rose Bowl. But he has to. But he has to. But he has to use that. What well, I mean, so I get it. every yeah, coach at the beginning of the season says we're going to win a championship, and many know they're not. I mean, he's got to say that. Could he have just said, "Hey, well, no, we, no"? As the AD, he has to say we are shooting. We want to be Rose competitive. No, 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 no. Okay. He has to say we're shooting for the Rose Bowl. I like it. Hey, everybody laughs. Whether or not it's no, but he has. What he? What does he say, John? I well, hope we're 500. I, I just wouldn't. I mean, bring what it kind out. of leadership is that? I just would leave. He the could have just said you would want in Providence. You want Ed Cooley to say this year at Providence, yes. your alma mater, that I think we're just going to be competitive. I'm not going to look for a Big East championship. Yeah, well, this guys with realistic. all the issues, with all all the issues going ahead, that's not the issue at all. Pat Hobbs dreaming <laughs> and, and aiming big is not the issue. And, <laughs> no, not and at all. That, that that is absolutely fine. But I, I don't and think he could have said anything else. And Steve, how about being what you're describing here as a Northwestern, aren't you? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, North, and North Washington has the advantage of being in a much weaker division. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's certainly part of yeah. it. You know, you, you're, when you're in the Big Ten East, you, you, have to, you have to climb over four teams that are always going to be better than you. But how about the Michigan State? Is that, I mean, here's what Michigan State does. Michigan State goes out and gets, you know, players, three-stars, recruits, in-state, develops them, retains them, and mm-hmm. plays a style that, that you, know what, you know what a Michigan State team is going to look like, plays this way, and... You know, they have they have good years, a lot of good years, and then occasionally a great year. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Again, they're a long way from that. I get it, but yeah. I don't yeah. know that that's that that's an unattainable goal for someone who is, you know, a really good recruiter, a good motivator, uh, and a program builder. I think yeah. I think there are you know there is definitely a ceiling on this program, but 
it's not, you know, it's not a hopeless situation. That's how I put it. Hey, so one more on the old regime and then we'll move ahead here. And that's that John McNulty went with him. Is that was that a, a decision by Pat Hobbs or was it something where McNulty said, hey, if Ash is gone, I'm gone? What, what happened there? No, it was definitely Pat Hobbs' decision. And I, okay. you know, I, it, that, that's a head scratcher to me only because you, you're just taking another adult out of the room. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think it's a lot to ask Nunzio Campanile, the interim coach. You know, two years ago at this time, he was game planning for Hacking Tech. You know, I mean, I, like, yeah. you know, he was well, a Burton Catholic. He was the high school coach. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot to ask on him to be both the head coach and the offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterbacks coach, the whole thing. It's just a lot. Uh, I don't know why McNulty was dismissed. Hobbs said he didn't, you know, he just didn't like what he saw from the offense. Obviously, they've been shut out in, in the Zero. first two Big Ten games. That said, I, you know, the quarterback, Art Sikowski, really liked McNulty. And, you know, for all of their problems, he looked at least like a college quarterback through some of the, like, against Boston College, he had 300 yards, which we were, you know, all of us were sort of stunned. So, yeah. I mean, McNulty was doing something right to get something out of him. You know, again, there's a situation that he can't, he can't block for the team. You mm-hmm. know, it's just another the yeah. offensive line has been bad, just like the defensive line. You know, I, I think uh, McNulty's a bit of a scapegoat. Yeah, and I, and I was puzzled as well because you're putting a lot on on this young coach here, a Jersey native. Um, what do you know of him? Again, he was coaching high school football two years ago. I uh, said the right things in the press conference, uh, but he's got a lot on him, and he's got eight more games here, and they are to some tough games. So uh, it's a tough assignment for him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they like him because he's got energy. He's youthful. He's got. He had a lot of good ideas about the, how to run an offense at Bergen Catholic. You know, he's sort of an innovative guy as, as a coach. Uh, comes from a family, obviously, the Campanile family. You know, Anthony's brother is at Michigan, so he's got, you know, some, some a lot of coaching ties. His other brother is still at Bergen Catholic. You know, I, I think it's really just, why not? That was <laughs> the reason for, for doing it. You know, my only, my only problem with it, again, was having both roles because I think he's going to have his handful just to keep the walls from caving in. You know, there's going to be a rush. I think uh, usually when this happens, kids are eyeing up the transfer portal. You know, they saw the success last year. Uh, offensive, offensive guard Jonah Jackson, the captain, transferred to Ohio State where he's starting. I think mm-hmm. people see that in the, inside the building and they're wondering, well, geez, you know, where can I go? So uh, <clears throat> he's just going to have a lot on his plate to keep things from falling apart. And now you're asking him to put together a game plan for Ohio State. It's a big ask, put it that way. No doubt. I saw one of your colleagues had an article uh, just the other day of catching up with some of the recruits that have already committed verbally to play at Rutgers, and most of them said that they're going to honor that, that they uh, that they thank Coach Ash for the opportunity and the scholarship and that they're going to stick with it. But as we all know, Steve, collegiate athletics is run by recruiting, and you never stop recruiting. And oftentimes your biggest wins are are across from families at the kitchen table or in the living room. Um, how are they going to continue to recruit with this sort of a haze hanging over the program? And do you think that um, some recruits and their families will, you know, look askance when, when Rutgers sits uh, in their living room? Yeah. You know, that's, I think absolutely. That's a, it's a great question. And I, I would look at it this way, you know, when Kyle Flood was in trouble in 2013, this is, you know, his second year when things weren't going well, he lost like 11, 11 recruits because they had options. Mm. And two years later, when he was finally fired, he didn't lose a lot of recruits because Rutgers was their best offer. So <laughs> I think that that speaks. If they, you know, again, you might not lose a lot of these guys because 
you know, uh, they, you know, Rutgers was the best, best option for them. So um, that remains to be seen what's going to happen there. You know, I, I will say that Campanelli said he's, his focus is not to go out recruiting now. I, I kind of understand that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, obviously he's the kind of guy, if he can find a way to, you know, get some energy, get to steal a couple wins, pull an upset, it might help. You know, I, I know that he's responsible for seven of the seven recruits in this class that he is considered their most dynamic recruiter in the building. So yeah. having him as a face of the program, I, I don't know. Certainly he wasn't going to be, Chris Ash wasn't getting players. So I think we're going either. So maybe it'll be a wash. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But I would think that of the staff members, and a new broom always sweeps clean, but it may not be a complete clean-out because of his jersey roots, because of his youthful vitality, because of his success in bringing some players to the program. I think in all likelihood he'll remain on whoever the new head coach's staff is, and then that means he can honestly say to players that he's recruiting, whether he knows it in fact or not, hey, listen, we're going to be okay. I'll be here. So he can sell that part uh, because we know they all sell. I love the school. I love it. Listen, they love the coach. That's why they go there. And when the coach leaves, oftentimes there's a change in heart. But I think that he can honestly sell Rutgers because I believe he'll probably in some way be a part of their future. So, all right. So whoever comes in and we'll get to some names in a minute. What is he selling? Uh, They're not a good team. They have much better facilities than they had five years ago. Uh, Pat Hobbs has shown that he can raise money. He'll spend some money. Uh, presumably, the coach will get a uh, salary commensurate with, uh, you know, maybe not the top dogs in the Big Ten, but certainly a very highly competitive salary. So who comes in and when can he start turning this ship around? Yeah, you know, I think the coach has to really sell himself first and foremost. That's always been the case at Rutgers. You have to, you know, you you're, you do not have the same facilities as you mentioned or tradition of the other teams you're competing against. So you've kind of got to be a dynamic guy that people want to play for. So you know, who is that? <laughs> I mean, I think certainly Greg Schiano is the, the, the top name for most fans because he had been here before. He had done it. You know, people look at his record and say, "Oh, he's only sixty-seven and 66. Well, they're forgetting about the first three years, which yeah. were, you know, 0 and 11, 1 and 10, whatever they were. Right. Uh, and they're also ignoring the fact that when, when he left, he was getting a top 25 recruiting class and just and consistently putting players in the NFL. And that matters. You know, some players want to see that. They want to know that they're going to go someplace where they, if they will perform and play well. They're going to get to the next level. And, and Greg Shannon was doing that. So, I, I mean, I think that that's one reason his name is out there. You know, another name that a lot of people like is, is Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. Um, you know, I don't know if that's a realistic option. You know, it's hard to get a guy away from the SEC, uh, uh, you know, depending on what's going on down there. And then there's, I think there's just like a, a big second-tier candidate. You know, I don't know. Are you going to get the MAC Coach of the Week? Are you going to get, you know, are you going to get uh, the Coach of Buffalo, who's very successful, but, again, not a name that's going to energize people. Uh, and that's the challenge with the search. You know, they really need, to, they really need a home run hire. Uh, and they're just not a lot of home run options. And also, you mentioned Greg Schiano, and I know you really like him. And obviously, he had the success. He built the program back up, and uh, or just built it up. Let's face yeah, it, six back bowl up. games. Yeah, fans absolutely. would sign up for that. There, in there, a there's no question. But there's a couple things. First of all, there's still a bad taste in, in many people's uh, in a mouth on that because he left the way he left. And also, well, I mean, that, we're going to challenge you on that. The why is that a bad? T- he went to the NFL. I mean, he went from Rutgers to one of the thirty-two most coveted. Jobs How could you say profession. no, right? Well, you know, I think I, that I, I think as an alum, you know, and going through the Terry Shea days and all that stuff, it's just you know, I'm more or less whining on my part. Yeah, 
because there was success there. And all of a sudden, boom, the timing wasn't perfect, Steve, as we know. Uh, but yes, he did get the offer. He went and then, you know, let's face it, it wasn't pretty from there on. And, and you know, he did land at Ohio State where he had not the best defensive team. So it hasn't been great since uh, uh, since he left Rutgers. And then let me ask you this. What's the buzz about his availability and whether he really even wants the job? Right. Well, I know he's definitely available. Uh, yeah. Whether he wants the job is, I think he, I think he would. I don't think he's going to have a lot of options. So, uh, you know, he might need Rutgers as much as Rutgers needs that. You know, or could not going to need him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it remains to be seen if athletic director Pat Hobbs wants him. But you know, that's something that uh, can change over time. Certainly. Well, certainly, if the alums are putting a lot of pressure, that'll have an influence. Although. Hobbs made it pretty clear he's going to be the lone man in the room. Now, he That's can say amazing. that, but until he gets a lot more phone calls and and the uh, bottom line is affected potentially by not listening to some people, not that he won't listen, but at any rate, uh, he may change his mind there. But here's the thing. If he goes out and gets Greg Shiano and Shiano wants to come back, here's the issues that I have with that. Going back to the future is difficult. And I, I know you sent a tweet out over the weekend about North Carolina and Mac Brown and how he's kind of gotten them all fired up and he had such great success there. He's dancing left. too. Yeah, and has yeah, come back. There. And that could that could certainly happen. I mean, they were an eyelash away from upsetting Clemson. Uh but sometimes going back to the future, uh, if you will, is, is a problem for me because is he going to be as fired up as he was the first time around? Is he taking this job because, you know what, I'm sitting in my living room in Ohio State after I turned down New England for family reasons. I have no problem with that. But now where am I in the coaching circle? Am I considered a hot candidate anymore? Is this my best option? And here's the thing that I think could also play a part. And you can tell me I'm crazy, but... We all have egos. And now Greg Shiano will come in and he will be Pat Hobbs' boss. Now, I know at many Division I programs or big-time football programs, that is, in fact, the case. But is that the hire Pat Hobbs is going to make, a guy who will be bigger than he? Or is he going to look for someone that will burnish Pat Hobbs' resume while at the same time resurrecting Rutgers' fortunes? I think ego can come into play here. Oh, there's no question. And that, that's sort of the central issue. And I think that, you know, uh, I, I, you hit the nail on the head whether or not Pat Hobbs wants to hire his own boss. I mean, I will say that if Pat thinks it through, he could hire a guy who will get a, you know, a six-year contract, hand him football, and then, you know, walk around the basketball game shaking hands and, and raising money and building buildings. It's, it's, it's a pretty good way to get, you know, he's 58. It's a pretty good way to get to the finish line if you're in AD. Uh, I don't know if that's what he wants to do or not. You know, I just, I mean, I will say this, he, he can't, he can't get it wrong. So he's got to hire the right guy. So, you know, and he also has to sell it to the fan base. So if you're going to hire the Buffalo coach, you know, it's going to be a hard sell to stand up there at that press conference and say, here you go. This is my guy because people will know who is available. So if he's going to go in a different direction, he's just got to be prepared to own it, you know, and be prepared to sell it. I guess one thing he's not going to do is the young up-and-coming uh, defensive coordinator or yeah. offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think, you know, been there, done that. And all this talk of, of Shiano and bringing him back is, uh, with all due respect to the who, we're talking meet the new boss, same as the old boss kind of a situation here. Uh, I wonder how much input... Um, some of Coach Chiano's old players will have in all of this. We're going to speak 
with Eric Legrand a little bit later. I know that he'll probably uh, put an endorsement out for the coach. But, you know, we talk about um, Pat Hobbs doing this on his own. I wonder how much input he's going to check with some of the old players that played for coach. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to check with them, but they're going to make the input felt. And it's already (laughs) happening because Kasim Green, a great linebacker on, you know, one of some of Luciano's later teams was already tweeting about it. You know, even guys would amaze me, and I, you know, people talk about you know his reputation, but players pretty much are universal. Universally liked him. Um, the players who were with him in Rutgers, there are very few examples of guys who, you know, came out publicly and, and said they didn't uh, like Greg. Even a guy like Tom Savage, who, you know, transferred after his sophomore year quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, who was in, you know, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. I think, you know, even he was tweeting, like, "Bring him back, of course." You know, he, I'm not an yeah. alum, but it would be a great move. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> certainly he'll be there'll be a groundswell of support for him. Oh, uh, and I no agree. Question. I- I think that it's a, it's a big decision in terms of retention of players. And I, I, I would think that Chiana would be able to retain some of these guys. Cause you know, of course, what's the concern here, Steve, it's Raheem Blackshear, Isaiah Pacheco, legitimate big 10 talent, that power five talent that will move on. And, and that's the biggest concern moving forward is to retaining these guys, the few, the few very good players that are out there retaining them. Right. Right. Yep. And it's, and it's also, you know, he was also a pretty good recruiter when he was at Ohio State. You know, he, yeah. he, this was his area, so he, mm-hmm. you know, he's not. He, it's, he he hasn't been here, you know, in was it now eight years? But at least he also has been around it, so he still is familiar with the landscape and the high schools and the politics and who likes who and which guys have players and you know, I mean that's that's, that's something that you know Ash did not have, and I think it really hurt him from the beginning. Now, outside of Shiano, you got a guy like Joe Moorhead. Who, I mean, my goodness. I mean, he he, he basically sa- saved Franklin's job at Penn State coming over from Fordham. And then that, yeah, yeah. that and you saw a Penn State offense that you never saw before. They, they were they were fantastic. Right. He moves on to Mississippi State where he's doing a very good job. If he's a guy who would be interested in coming to Rutgers. But here's the question. Why, if he's in the spot he's in, why would he come to Rutgers? But that, I, that's a guy I'd love to see on uh, uh, on the banks. I don't know. And this is, this is the question I've been posing to people when they talk about Chiano, when they don't want Chiano, they like, okay, do you got a better idea? And if you have a better idea, is it a realistic idea? Right. Like I got a better idea. Urban Meyer. Like, oh, no, yeah, no, no, of let's, course. let's back it up. Yeah. So Joe, Joe Moran, I think he might be, a, you know, again, a better idea if only from the standpoint of Rutgers, offense has been miserable. They've never really had, you know, since Terry Shea, believe it or not, an offensive minded head coach. You know, that might be, he might be the guy to come in here and give it an offensive identity. Uh, certainly he has credibility, like you said, he's an Eastern guy, but yeah, realistic, I don't know. I mean, he, he would have, you know, obviously being in Mississippi State, you, you know, you, you're playing Alabama, LSU, you're, you're up Big against it football. every single year. Right, yeah, but that's the same situation. <laughs> you got to come into Rutgers for so. the same thing, just so does he want that, right? <laughs> I, unless there's a lot of money, a lot of security, unless maybe things aren't going as well as they seem for him behind the scenes down there. I don't know. That's, you know, I'm not, I don't have any sources in Starkville to tell you <laughs> what's happening, but uh, the fact that his name is out there certainly uh, is he's, he's, you know, out the top tier of interesting candidates. Well, we'll know where he stands in, in the hierarchy at Mississippi state. If suddenly he gets some sort of an extension, that will tell right. you that the athletic director and that if the next couple of weeks that yeah. athletic director is saying, you know what, I want to cut this off at the pass. If that's not forthcoming, I'm not sure how you read those tea leaves and he may want to get out of Dodge yeah. with a long term deal and a lot of money and nowhere to go. But up that being said, 
all of a sudden it could be a coaching graveyard. It's a very interesting situation for any up-and-comer because if you fail big time here, yeah, you can slough it off, and Chris Ash will get a job as a defensive coordinator somewhere. There's no question about that. But you can slough it off and say, hey, it's Rutgers. I tried my best. But it can slow down that fast track to the top. And, and Moorhead's oh, already at the top in yeah. many ways. Yeah. yeah, if you're a guy that has options, if you're like a guy, another name that's out there, Jason Candle, who's the Toledo coach, a great offensive, you know, offensive-minded young coach. You know, if you're him <laughs> and yeah. you're okay, I can jump at the Rutgers job if it's available, or maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go ten and two next year, and you know, I can give you thirty other Power Five jobs that would be better fit, yeah, a right. better chance for me to win. Right. I yeah. think that's a you know, I think that happened with the last coaching search. A lot of guys didn't return Pat Hobbs's phone number, a phone call. So I don't think that's gonna necessarily change after you know what people saw what happened to Chris Ash. Well, as bad as we think it's going to get from here on out and the amount of fannies that will be in the stands at SHI Stadium, who knows if if anybody, you know, of you know, good pedigree is going to want this job. How about a name that I just keep kicking around, someone who's had success at the highest level that sort of uh, fell by the wayside is Bo Pelini. I mean, would someone like that be interested perhaps in coming in and taking a job like this and, and getting his star back on the rise again at this level? That's a great question. He's a kind of intriguing guy. I don't know if he's got the if he, the temperament for, for Rutgers. You know, obviously what happened at, at Nebraska might give some people yeah. pause, but he did win nine games every year, which, you know, they, yeah. mm-hmm. they named the stadium after him after one night. <laughs> exactly. win season. So, uh, you know, but I, I don't know if he... I, one of my colleagues said he might have kids in high school and where he lives now. And that's kind of, that's where he's from. So, you know, okay. it seems like a long shot. Well, okay. yeah, it's a little puzzling because of Youngstown state, right. And he's, he's not, and he's been yeah. okay there really. So yeah, he's been very good there. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, um, and my, I keep going to guys like uh, the Leopold from uh, Buffalo, Creighton from Eastern Michigan, guys that are a successful level, but would it would still be a step up to go to the Big Ten. What are your thoughts on on uh, one of those uh, candidates, Steve? Well, yeah, neither one of them checks the jersey box, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to yeah. be a big box to check. Yeah, you know, but yeah, but I mean, Leopold he had a good, a great Buffalo that came down here and stomped Rutgers, you know, last <laughs> year, but not as good this year certainly, but that's that's to be expected. And he also built, you know, Division Three powerhouse in Wisconsin, so you know, he's a guy who knows how to build a program from scratch. Uh, I think he certainly will be on the list. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, you're not going to win the press conference with him. Uh, same with the Eastern Michigan coach, and again, another guy with no really no ties here. So that means that they'll have to sell Chris Ash on the uh, sorry, uh, sell Pat Hobbs on the coaching staff. You have to make sure <laughs> that all right. Here's who I'm going to hire. Yeah. Here's who's coming with me. Here's how I'm going to re- recruit the state. This is my plan. Right. Uh, and that's that's going to be a really key thing. And, and it's got to be more than that. They just came into Rutgers and beat them too. I mean, that's that's part of it as well. But I, you know, like right. uh, Eastern Michigan, Creighton just beat Illinois. Uh, is that a big step? And then also you can look at Penn State. You know, Buffalo just went to Penn State and got stomped on in the second half. So, you yeah. know, there, you know, it, like there's no perfect candidate, right? No, no, that's exactly it. That's that's the problem. Uh, you know, there are good candidates. There are, you know, uh, average candidates, yeah, but no, certainly no perfect candidate. One candidate that's come to mind, and, and we'll wrap this up in a few minutes, Steve, and thanks very much for your time. And your colleague, uh, James Cratch, has uh, written today, uh, Jeff Monken at Army. And boy, he's gotten, <laughs> he has certainly gotten a lot of responses to yeah, that suggestion. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did a great job. Uh, he wrote, wrote a good column, compelling idea. Just execution-wise, I just don't see it. I don't know how you 
you know, the, the option is the kind of the triple, yeah. whatever. It's great. It's a great system. It's the kind of thing that scares you because you see it once every five years and you don't, you can't prepare for it in a week. If, you know, Rutgers does it every year against Michigan State, they're going to be ready for it. And it's just hard to use that system talent wise to beat teams with great athletes. And I think there's a reason why there are very few teams who run it. So, and the other part of it is, all right, you want to fire up the fan base? Well, here we're gonna, or here we go. We're gonna have the possession. We're gonna we have, we're gonna run the ball sixty times, guys. Ready? Uh, I, I don't know that that gets fans in the seats either because it really is a dull style of play. Well, whenever there's big uh, news uh, with Rocker, Steve, you always come on with us. We really appreciate that. So, thanks for taking a few minutes with us. Yeah, no problem, guys. I appreciate it. You're listening to the RU Review. We'll be back with Eric Legrand, but first a word from Zebra Pen. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to ZebraPen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. ZebraPen. Find us at your local retailer or online at ZebraPen.com. And follow us on social media. And we're back with radio color analyst Eric Legrand. And Eric, uh, big shakeup for Rutgers football. My concern is for the players, Eric. What what's going on with them right now? What what's your feeling there? Yeah, that's that's always the hardest part with the players because you're going to get a split locker room. Some people may have wanted it to happen, or some players, and some of them didn't. You know, coach has recruited all those guys, so they all had a certain relationship with him. And when you see a coach go midseason like that, you know you become torn. But you hope that you can start working together where you come together and find a way to overcome these these situations and. You know, you want to play for each other now. And I'm sure you're going to just – a lot of rumors can creep in there, but you want to be able to try to maintain it and fight for what you truly believe in for the team coming together. As someone who played for the university, as uh, someone who has followed this team very closely, uh, what most bothered you about what you saw uh, with Chris Ash at the helm? What were some of the issues that were most prevalent in your mind? Uh, it was just it was just starting getting the job done on the football field. You know, Coach Ash has been a great person to my family and myself off the field. You know, he's always been a class act to us, and, you know, I really appreciate him for that, and it really means a lot to my family. But just on the field, the, the progression that, that everyone wanted to see with their program, especially after having three Big Ten wins you had in your second season, everyone was expecting more, and then going 1-11 last year was rough. And then this year, you know, coming in, it's not, it wasn't looking good at all. And he can't continue to lose games by getting shut out on the road two times so far this year in four games. So, you know, it just, it just wasn't clicking all together in the right places. And it was it was just time for Pat Hollis to make a change. And a change he certainly did. Now back to uh, how the players react to all this. Eric, what can you tell uh, Rutgers fans about Nunzio Campanile and how – the players now are going to have to go to war with him. He was in the high school ranks just a, a year or so ago. A very successful high school coach in New Jersey. But uh, take us through the mindset of now playing for someone that you really may not know all that much about and that doesn't really have the collegiate head coaching cred that you know a lot of players crave. Well, come on now. Nunzio Campanelli doesn't get any more jersey than that. That's yeah. <laughs> You got that going for him right away. You know, Jersey's gonna love love that. You know, just being able to have him get the opportunity now. I know it's a different level from Bergen Catholic to Rutgers right in the Big Ten, but 
he has the coaching experience. He's been around coaching his entire life. He's been around football his entire life. He knows the X's and O's. Is now communicating with his guys, which I hear he does a tremendous job already communicating with recruits and things of that nature. Right? Well, I believe Ty Hester already came on and was like, wait till you see how crazy the offense looks now with Nunzio <laughs> and stuff like that. So I'm sure he's bringing actually some excitement to it. And, and why not? What do you have to lose? Just try it all. Yeah, you know, as as tough a time as it is for the program and uh, how it all went down for Coach Ash, in a way, it's an exciting time now for uh, perhaps Rutgers alum because they know that maybe help is on the way. They're going to find the right guy and that, uh, you know, maybe lead them out of this tunnel. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate that, you know, that the motivation comes from our coaching Change, but everyone was calling for it and you know it needed to happen so now that it did happen now everyone's all like taking a deep breath and like all right what can let's get started what can i see now or we have to look forward to for you know looking for this, this coaching search over the next two months but these guys still have a, a whole lot of football to play they've only played four games so far this year there's still a lot of games left so you can't forget about the product that's going to be on the field and you're open that coach campanelli and the, and the rest of that staff can try to make these guys be successful. They have a little bit of a, you know, a nice, nicer schedule to put, you know, you can put it like that for the month of October. So we'll see how they do. And, uh, you know, he's got a big job now, uh, Eric. He's not only the head coach, uh, he's also the offensive coordinator. Why John McNulty? Why did he have to go? Uh, Pat Hobbs uh, didn't like what he saw, obviously, uh, in Michigan. Zero uh, points, but that you're giving a lot Zero of uh, you're giving quite a quite a workload to uh, Campanelli. Yeah, I guess what you want to say it's just more of I guess a stagnant offense. We weren't seeing any really real progression of it where they can go down the field and score points. They had one one possession in that Michigan game when they got all the way down and went for it. I believe it was a fourth and three. Yeah, and uh, and they got stuffed and and now you know now at the end of the day of having points on the board, you just can't have that. You got to have somewhat of a heartbeat on the offense, and they did not have that at all. Do you have an idea of what Campanelli hasn't pl- planned on, on the offensive end in terms of what have you uh, seen from him? Well, it's going to be interesting because he comes from that spread type of offense where you got you know a lot of eleven personnel, one back, one tight end, and everyone else is spread out. And so now you know, with the Coach Nolte's in that pro style type offense, a little bit multiple, but a lot of pro style stuff. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Campanelli uses some of these guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing more guys emerge like, whoa, where's that guy been? How did, where did he come from? How come he's coming now? I'm actually yeah. excited to see how that comes into fruition and see if he can get some of these guys where we haven't heard from in years or for some time. Like Shaheen Jones, I heard his name once against Michigan, but I haven't really heard much of him this year. Watch him have it start turning out to be something special. You know, I mean, when you spread the ball around like that, it just opens up the opportunities for so many people. So it should be interesting to see how they do that. What do you want to see in the next head coach? Oh, I want I want the tough grittiness, that grind. The only the, it's, it's hard to say, or it's not, it's not hard to say, but the only thing I know is Cochiano from from college football. That's the only coach I ever mm. played under, and he turned us into. So I want to say Aaron Boone would say savages out there, <laughs> and we and we were we were going out there, and we knew that we weren't always going to be the most talented, but we were tougher than any team that we were going to face, and we believed that we could beat anybody in the country when we took that field. 
And that's the kind of grittiness I want to see in those guys knowing that they can go out there and fight. And attention to detail is the most key things, I believe. You know, a lot of those penalties, unfortunately, they come from the attention to detail Too and many. not having the correct discipline. And I remember when we were playing, we knew every scenario of every game, that how to be disciplined, what to look out for, that the little small things that, that drive coaches crazy when they, you preach on them, but you got to preach, 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 and harp on them. And I just remember how attention to Coach Detail, uh, the detail Coach Shiano was with us, and it was, it was insane. I'm telling you the way our minds used to work during that game, looking at scenarios, but in terms of your players and the coaches on the field as well. How did that work, Eric, in your uh, film sessions when you would make, uh, yeah. you know, a mindless mistake like that and get a penalty? Is that something that the coaches would harp on in? Uh, the film session and something that you knew obviously on the field was a no-no, but you were sweating it out until that film session when you went over all that stuff because yeah, the penalties have what, really like, killed this team this year. Sweat it out is what it was. Sweat it out all the way up until oh man, here comes this play. I yeah. know I'm about to get blasted. That's right. You know it's <laughs> you know, coming. Those film sessions were just like that when you were sitting there all like, wow, I know I messed up on here. I costed us in a big situation. He's definitely going to point this out in a meeting. And Coach Shiano used to always point those mistakes out to us to make us learn from man. You know, he had his way about making us learn. If it was yelling and screaming at us or making an example, like this is what we can't do to kill ourselves, but this is how you learn and you make sure you don't make that mistake again. And then in the meetings leading up to a game, when we would have random quizzes of certain personnel, like if they're in 11 backs and the tight end motions across to this, what are you expecting? And then he... But Eric, and then, but, oh, as soon as you hesitate, that's not fast like stuff like that. You know mm. what I mean? That's the kind of stuff where, mm. where it's, you're, you put on the pressure, under pressure, and how, you, how are you going to come out no from that pressure? And it, it makes you prepare for the moment. And that's what I got out of Coach Shannon when I was eight. We were always prepared for the moment. It was never too big. And Eric, we know how you feel about Greg Shiano off and on the field. And so do you think it'll work the second time around? I honestly think it would because of what he's been able to learn and grow as a coach, you know, going from Tampa and not having really success down there and then working at Ohio State and they never won a national championship but working under Urban Meyer and seeing how that type of deal works. And in that three-year period where he was off from Tampa Bay, he was going around learning from Belichick, learning from Nick Saban and just getting himself good to ready that gave Belichick enough, uh, you know, courage. He was encouraged, encouraged by Coach Yamata hire him as the defensive coordinator and you know for whatever reason that coach Yano wanted to step away from that he did and now he's in that position if he wants to take the job again I'm sure Rutgers will be offered it to him so it will be very nice to see because I, I know he's I know he grew as a person but if I know the way coach Yano is with some of that talent that he has on that team he will get the best out of them and I think they will really be a problem does he want to come back to Rutgers or would he look for another experience that's the that's the one question everyone's asking. Does he want to come back? Does he want to try to do this again, or does he want to put himself in a better situation where he may not have to rebuild? That's the question I I, I can't answer for you. I do have a relationship with him, but you know it's, it's not like he's going to be like, yeah, Eric, I'm coming back. Like this, like he's not going to tell me that. You know, he's going to talk to his family and uh, and and pray on it and feel whatever the best move for him is. He's going to make so. We can all hope when some of some people don't want them back. A majority of us do. And we'll see what happens. Did they ever sell that house? Is, or is it still is it still available <laughs> I, I for them on the campus? Back, back, they were, 
might have to kick the guys out if he's coming back right <laughs> back in town. No doubt. I know it's early on, Eric, and if it's not Coach Chiano, um, I don't know if you you have any names in mind or what what sort of, a, if you don't have names in mind, what sort of a coaching philosophy would you like to see the next head coach at Rutgers bring to the table? Uh, I guess I'm going to look at the stuff that troubled us on the field. So if Coach Chiano doesn't come, I want somebody that actually knows a little bit of offense. Right. You know, we've had defensive coaches over the year. Coach Blood was an offensive guy, but you know, we, I would like to have an offensive guy, especially in the nowadays with the way that the offenses are in college football. I would love to see something like that. I would love the players to be more educated on that football field and know the attention, the detail, know exactly what's the scenarios of the game, what to look out for, because those are so important. So many battles are won before the ball is even snapped. If you know what's coming and you know where to position yourself, or if you know how to disguise different coverages and read different coverages, things of that nature. I would love that to be harped on more during, during the training camp, during the off season, during every time you have meetings with your coaches. I would love to see that. And I know that going out there, you don't want to be afraid to make a mistake, but know, you know, the consequences of messing up really puts us in a bad position, especially when you're playing against teams like Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state, you can't shoot yourself in the foot. And these guys have to know that. Mental toughness. They need to get back to that. I, I hear you. It sounds like that was something mm-hmm. that was lacking team-wide, as you said, uh, to know that there are consequences when you uh, make a mistake like that because it's not just hurting you as a player. It's hurting you know, the other 10 guys that are out there on the field with you all the time. And uh, I, I guess then the next coach is going to need to instill that from, from that first meeting when he gets to the team to, uh, to when they get out on the, on the playing field and then when the games get going for real. Yeah, it's accepting that, that responsibility of being able to know what you have to do that you're being relied on by other people mm-hmm. and now going out there and executing it and not trying to do your own thing and playing in the means of the offense or the defense and the special teams and just all coming together as one knowing that it's not it's, it's not just me, it's all a bunch of other guys out there and everyone wants to make plays, everyone wants to do this, but when you all come together then everyone starts making plays and you start winning games and yeah, it would be just nice to see that that energy live and get on this sideline because I've seen a bunch of videos of you know back when Coach Chandler was there back in 05, 06, 07, and then when I got there 08, 09, 2010, just seeing those videos out the stadium was the sideline, everyone amped up in New Jersey. Man, I missed that. I so you see, back in my life. You, you crave the pandemonium in Piscataway again, huh? I need. I was a junior in high school. I need that back in my life. I remember storming that field and everything, and getting lost from all, separated from all my friends. Couldn't breathe in the middle, and I would love to do that all over again. And I think Saturday, I think the fans will be energized, and I'm wondering how Art Sikowski reacts to this, Eric, because you know he's very mm-hmm. much a McNulty guy in a pro style offense. And how does he adjust now? Yeah, well, the thing is, I think well, Art's gonna just gonna take some time anyway for Dunzio to just implicate everything that he wants to. He's just got the job. He got announced yesterday or Sunday, I'm sorry. They got the game on Saturday. So there's not much you can change right now into week one. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of the similar concepts that McNulty had, just some wrinkles here and there. But as we go forward, it should be very interesting to see how he wants to use him. Does he want to get the quarterback more involved in the game running? Does Art have the ability to run? I know we, we have seen him run a little bit, not much. He hasn't been asked to do it though, so I wonder if he if he if they ask him to start running the ball, 
can he do that? And if not, you know, then he's going to have to obviously try to go different ways and stuff, the different packages for his quarterback. But Art's in a position right now where if I am him, I'm trying to learn as much as possible from Nozio and see, try to test the waters out and try and do things that I haven't done before. And just the more you can do, the more the more of a role that you can play on the team. And that just underscores something that you addressed earlier, which is you've got games to play and are you playing for the team and the best result this year? You're playing for the future. So if Nunzio goes with uh, McLean Carter, when he comes back, assuming he gets back to good health shortly, then that tells you a story because that's maybe a guy who can run a comfortable offense in Nunzio's uh, opinion. And then what does that say next year about Art Sitkowski? And are you coaching Art for next year? Because you know, a guy's going to take over that's going to want an established quarterback who started to show some of his skills. So it really is a very complicated situation. But here's the bottom line. Maryland got shut out at home 59 nothing mm-hmm. to Penn State. Rutgers got mm-hmm. shut out 52 to nothing on the road to Michigan. Maryland and Rutgers this weekend in College Park. How do you see things turning out? Is somebody going to score? Uh, <laughs> What's yeah, um, I, I don't know how I see th- things turning out right now with this because I'm sure Rutgers is pissed off from getting blown out like that. And I'm sure Maryland is pissed off from getting blown out like that, especially at home. And now the whole shakeup with this whole coaching staff, you're kind of hoping that Rutgers can feed off of that new energy, like you said, that the fans are going to have. And they're going to be like, okay, we're excited to see something different. We're hoping the players have that same energy as well. I'm not in that locker room right now, so I'm not sure how if it's split or if the players are happy or not happy. I know that they did love Coach Harris, so I'm not sure if they're all going to be, you know, gung-ho over to him getting fired. So it's going to be a very interesting game, and I think we're going to learn about the togetherness on this team a lot this week because if we see things start going the wrong way and they gets away from them, you can just tell that this program is pretty much devastating in a terrible situation. But I'm hoping we see some rejuvenated air that comes into the into the, that stadium and into that, those players and they go out there and they play in twos and they play for each other. And when you start doing that, you never know what can happen. You might be able to set yourself up for a few victories, but I'm hoping Coach Campanelli to get these guys ready. I'm excited to see them. And I had a turnover there, fumble. That was the game is Piscataway. in, is in Piscataway. It's it a is, home game for Rutgers. It is uh, this Saturday. Saturday. And I'll tell you, I'm fired up. I'm looking forward to going to uh, the game this week. And I, that's that's uh, rejuvenated me a little bit, uh, Eric. Um, how is everybody around you feeling about this move and moving forward now? Is there is Do you're feeling a little bit more energy? Yeah, I think every, I think everyone is. You know, we hate to see a guy lose mm-hmm. his job. You really do. And like I said, I've developed a relationship with Coach Ash sure. off the field, which has been which has been very nice. He's been just a great guy here, and his wife Doreen and his family have been great. But yeah, everyone, but everyone around me too, like my family, right away they're like, "Oh my God, I hope he's okay," mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But for the on the field, everyone is happy. Everyone wants to see something different. You know, everyone doesn't want to go to the game and just. Really get all built up all week long, and then that year disappointment comes and it hurts. And I'm hope people don't don't want to feel that anymore, especially everyone that's been texting me besides my family. I've had a bunch of friends that have already reached out to me about everything that's going on, and everyone just wants to see progression. Anything just to sustain the season, try to go out there, get a few wins if possible. No one's asking you to move mountains right now, but 
you know, go out there and be competitive and fight throughout the entire four quarters of each game and try to come out, if you can, maybe win a few victories here and there. And there's the one thing called the transfer portal there, Eric. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. my concern, of course, you know, you got some very good players, Raheem Blackshear, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Bo Melton, a lot of guys that you want to keep around. Um, what, what's the support system around them? What happens in this spot now? How do they get them focused and ready to play? That is the toughest position when it comes to the transfer portal as a coach now who doesn't know if he's going to be the head coach there. So he said at his press conference, he's not going to be able to go out there and just start offering guys here and there a scholarship. But you have to worry about those guys that are there now because mm-hmm. you're hoping the coaches are also hoping that we're there next year as well, too. So this is their trial. This is their effort. So I'm hoping that they go full on board and saying, all right, I got to keep these guys here. I got to keep this locker room together. This is my tryout right now. This is everyone looking at me now saying, can I be a coach here? Can I be looked at as a head coach? Can I look at me staying on with the new staff that comes in? So this is a trial for all those coaches. So if I was them, I would be trying my hardest to keep my best guys there and not try and get them to transfer or not give up on the season. All right, Eric. Well, thanks for joining us once again. And we'll absolutely be listening to you this uh, this Saturday at noon for the uh, kickoff with Maryland. I'm hoping it's going to be a good one. We need, we need one. We need, we need it bad. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, guys. Okay, and that was Radio Color Analyst Eric Legrand. And guys, the question I have is uh, Nunzio Campanile or Campanile, we'll get his, the correct pronunciation of his last name. We've heard it a few different ways. Does he have a chance to be effective here? Or is he the sacrificial lamb? No, What's if, gonna he, happen if he runs here? the table and wins a bunch of Big Ten games, he has to get in a conversation. He's a miracle worker. Otherwise, no. Yeah. Somebody had to take the job. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, in. And I have but, no, I have no... Uh, a dog in the fight. I, I hope he does well. Uh, the show is more interesting with wins for us to discuss, more interesting if the team is competitive. So from a selfish standpoint, uh, I would hope that he can fire the troops up, uh, a change in energy, and and perhaps they can play at a better level. Uh, they have an easier schedule, as Eric pointed out, in October uh, than they will at the end of the season when they run the gauntlet. But let's see what they can do now with Maryland and see what they mm-hmm. can do with Liberty coming up. And, you know, I think, as we go. mentioned, he's he's not going to be a miracle worker. Mm-hmm. I think you have to start with baby steps. You know, sure. Eric talked about penalties. If he can show that the team is going to be mindful of that and, mm-hmm. and have a little mental acuity check here and he starts uh, and that starts to show up on the field, they're not shooting themselves in the foot then that's a baby step in the right direction mm-hmm. if they're not going to listen talent wise they're not going to match up with pretty much anybody for the rest of the season other than liberty so right. winning games i think is i mean if he wins a game then he should win coach of the year in the big 10 mm-hmm. with the talent that he has right now um so i think the small stuff you got to re- really if the team plays for each other if they're in games in the second half if they're actually playing meaningful football in the second half of games i think that is a step in the right direction and i think right now he's a place setter but he's got to keep the team in check and as you mentioned the the transfer portal if he can keep guys like pacheco and melton and blackshear because you know that mm-hmm. People are going to want to start picking the bones. Well, of, that won't be him, here. though, right? The, I mean, I understand the transfer portal, unless these guys are going to shut it down in the middle of the season, which they're not. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be up to the new guy to sure. convince them that they should stay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't and, think – I, I don't know what impact yeah. the next couple of games have on whether, you know, Raheem Blackshear decides to say he may, he may have already decided if there's a new guy coming in, I'm going to go. That's possible. Mm-hmm. But I think he'd probably want to hear what the new guy has to yeah. say. 
And, you know, overall, I agree with the move. What I did, and I thought Steve made a good point with, I was brought up John McNulty a couple times because it's, it's just a big move, getting rid of both of the head coach and the offensive coordinator, putting it on the new interim coach. And that's a lot for him right out of the jump. And how much, here's the point, how much can you change the offense right now going into the Maryland game? Uh, yes, and look up that. Yeah, and not the, I'm not and I'm not a big fan of McNulty by any means. Zero Steve, points in the Steve, last two Big Ten points. games. True. Among the worst offenses in college. Zero football. points. Mm-hmm. So all um, he had going for him was the experience. And so, as uh, Steve Politi said, the adult in the room. Right. When things get a little hairy, someone to say, hey, I've been there. Sure. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know. But what's the old what, line? What did, what, did he, what did he do? Did Can't make chicken salad out of, Sticking you know, around, right. Yeah. But, zero. I mean, zero points. I mean, that's hard to do. So he'll he'll get into he'll, he'll dig into the offensive coordinator uh, 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 position, obviously. So what what can he do as head coach, Matt? I mean, in terms of it, just lead the ship, say the right things in the locker room. No, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's basically it. He can't prevent players from taking penalties. He can't prevent turnovers. All he can do is demand of the players that those things stop and then hold them accountable. Bingo. That's it. Yeah, That's what it. does he do? I mean— But now you shoot—here's the other side. So if your stars commit the errors, mm-hmm. you're shooting yourself in your foot in the foot as you give them lesser roles to show that, hey, uh, you know, everyone lives by the same role. It's easy for the big boys to say, you know what? I'm going to show you you can't take penalties at critical spots because the guy behind you— was a three-time All-State performer yeah. and a one-time All-America performer, and and you're not really missing much when you put him in there. But so. a lot of the stuff they were having, the penalties they were getting, I mean, Art Sidkowski would just let the play clock run oh, out. Terrible. I mean, you have to know. There was at one point mm-hmm. where they called the timeout and Ash is screaming, look at the time clock. I mean, that stuff should not be happening in your second year. It's not like he's never played football before. So yeah. some of these things fall on the players, but I think- And if, there's something about 110,000 uh, fans, uh, you know, shouting. Yeah, you know, to, uh, true. every play is oh, no not question. different. It's yeah. the same game. And we're Wherever you're playing, mm-hmm. that should be in the back of your mind. That leads me to believe that there was no accountability for guys making just stupid mistakes like that. And I think yeah, if he can start there, if you can start with the whole mental focus, he did it at Bergen Catholic. His teams really, you know, they played with with the swagger that he has. And I think, you, as I mentioned, baby steps. You got to start with doing that, getting everybody mm-hmm. pulling on that same rope. And uh, they're at such a disadvantage when the game starts that you don't want to hand teams 80, 90, 100 yards worth of penalties. It's just yeah. furthers the, the issue. And Campanelli seems to have a big support system around him, a lot of coaches in his family. And so, you know, they're piping in with this support and such. So it's just going to be a, what's the best case scenario here? What, you know, maybe winning a couple games here, getting to, you know, three, three games. Oh, beating come Liberty. on. Winning yeah. a couple Chris games. Ash, how many did you think Chris Ash was going to win at the beginning of the year? I said that we were gonna be, it was going to be a three win season. So Dude, now this, this guy's going to win three of the remaining games. This taking comes over down as, to a head, Liberty. As, an, as an interim head coach. Yeah. This is so, all on Liberty. Well, they've got they have a chance one. So I'm saying game. the scenario can be, could they, they beat Liberty and Perhaps maybe Illinois or Indiana, or is it just that those are kind of bygone? It's a bygone conclusion at this point. From what I've seen on the on the field, I don't know whether they're going to beat Liberty. I mean, that to me is 
I mean, think about that. Look at what we're talking about. I mean, I have seen nothing that would lead me to believe that they're going to be playing meaningful games from here on out. Again, you mentioned oh, Illinois no. and them. Those teams are not very good, but Steve, they they can't move so, the ball. So here's what they have a chance. Saturday, they have a chance against a team that's really down. These are the two new teams to the Big Ten. Both are looked at as, as the teams that are sacrificial lambs, and they are. Uh, Maryland has the win of Syracuse under its belt this year, but they've struggled since losing to Temple and getting right. crushed by Penn State. So now what happens? You're home. By the way, you're a 16-point underdog, so mm-hmm. that tells a story there. What do you do on the first drive? We've seen this Rutgers team give up big plays on first drives. Can the new guys settle this down? If they can't, they could be in for a long afternoon. I think they probably can go up and down the field a little bit with Maryland because Maryland's not great. Mm-hmm. But let's see what happens in the first few drives. If they can sustain momentum offensively, if they can create momentum defensively. If not, it's the same old, same old, and then you look ahead to the the next week. And you would think that be with Maryland's performance against Penn State at home, where they just got completely annihilated. You would think that Rutgers could stay in the field with Maryland. If there's a situation here where they're, they're 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 struggling at home significantly with Maryland, wow! But I mean, listen, the move was made, right, guys? There's the no move other shoes so to drop. Yeah, yeah the shoe drop. Yeah. This season's over, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I listen. I understand. You're going to be at the game Saturday. They'll have fans there. They're playing for some pride. The players are giving it their all. They want to win. I get all the that. But in, oh, in the big picture, this yeah, is not it, at all about. It, I understand why Eric and and others are saying. Listen, let's deal. not forget. There's a game to be played, right? Because guys, Eric more than anyone can talk to the dangers of playing. Mm-hmm. You can't forget that that game is important, and there's a reason you're playing it. But in the big picture, the fact of the matter is this is all about this mm-hmm. is all about the next guy. Yeah. Pretty much. And when does that decision when is that decision made? It's gotta be made in the off season. It's not something you're gonna announce and you know unless it's Chiano. Yeah. It and has we'll to be see. somebody who's out of work. We'll so it, if it's somebody who's out of work, mm-hmm. you can announce it now. Yeah. And you can say, listen, this is the guy that's gonna take over. I mean, it it mm-hmm. just would be an incredible disaster in terms of what the current team is thinking. And the current coaching staff is thinking because deep inside they have to feel like, you know, Campanile has to feel that if he can show something, he has a chance, even though he probably well, then he'll, then not. Then he hopes to have a job and be on the sideline with with, with the new. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he'll stay anyway. Right. But if Andy mm-hmm. Boo, I, I don't know, he's gone. Doesn't matter. New coach is going to have his own defensive yeah. coordinator. So yeah. these guys are, it's, it's such a mess. It's such a mess. And that's what happens when you fire somebody. Mm-hmm. Four games into and the season. And you made that point in numerous times, the difficulty of it and also the timing of it. Do you agree with the timing of it necessarily, Matt? Or is this something you go? I mean, at some point you had to say, yeah. listen, enough is enough. So. Right. I think they wanted to just put him out of his misery. I mean, he's a good guy. Everybody, everybody. Is I got the to sense he did not want to Chris be on that Ash. sideline anymore. I mean, yeah. you know, the, 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 you know, the press conferences were just monotone and there was just no energy or anything. Uh, he I was think, lost. I, I think, think he, he knew he was a dead man walking yeah. and he yeah. just like, so you pull the trigger. Probably what Pat Hobbs well, saw. Pat Hobbs, so we, we turn our lonely eyes to you. Yeah, we move forward, and there's going to be a lot of decisions made uh, made in the future here for uh, Rutgers football. Uh, again, game on Maryland kickoff uh, noontime at SHI Stadium. Of course, we'll cover it. We'll be back next week with the RU Review, sponsored by Zebra Pen. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.